it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Tonight, we have a special guest. We have two gentlemen joining us, one from Vancouver, Canada, and the other one from Korea. Yes, all the way from Korea. I have Jesse and Kevin from REI Conversion. They're here to talk to us a little bit about real estate and land. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your origin story, if you will, and kind of how you guys met and how you guys got started. It sounds like a story. Yeah. Thanks again for having us on the show, by the way. Um, yeah, so both Kevin and I, uh, we started in the land investing area. Um, I actually started um, with houses first and then eventually sort of moved into uh, investing in land. Um, I actually um, met somebody by the name of Seth over at RE Tipster, uh, retipster.com. If you're looking for a great blog on all things real estate investing, land investing, that is a great resource. Um, Seth puts out a lot of good content. Anyways, we got connected and eventually learned about what uh, uh, um, land investing was. And um, I, I took a stab at it. And, um, you know, within just a few weeks of hearing the term land investing, because we can't, we don't have anything like that in Canada. Um, you know, I was already 
profiting within my first month. So it was awesome. Um, and then ever since then, I, I, I come from a digital background um, on the marketing side of things. I started helping other land investors and then um, started building out websites and then eventually led us to build sort of our land management tool called Pebble, which is part of the, the to, uh, suite of tools that we have under reiconversion.com. So that's sort of my story. And then me and Kevin in between met there. But Kevin, why don't you sort of share a little bit about how you got started? Yeah, yeah. So a uh, similar story kind of to, to Jesse. I'm I'm over here in Seoul, South Korea, and uh, I was sort of listening to a bunch of podcasts, uh, kind of like yours, about just how to invest. I was reading a lot of books about invest, investing and kind of trying to figure out a game plan for what I was going to do uh, kind of going forward. And I stumbled onto a random podcast where some guy was talking about uh, flipping land, where you basically buy parcels of land and you buy them cheap and sell them on for, for a profit. And one thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that he said that you don't have to be located anywhere near the land to actually do this. Whereas, you know, if you're flipping a house and you need to do construction, you can do that remotely. But it's a lot more challenging than uh, than the land business. So I thought, hey, this sounds like a great idea. Uh, let me just give it a shot. And similar to Jesse, within a couple months, I was flipping with these just crazy profit numbers, and uh, and sort of the, it was the rest was history. I guess I've been I've been doing it for about a year and a half to almost two years now. And then uh, my background is actually in um, software. So I started building some software tools to sort of help me uh, along the process, sort of managing my properties and uh, doing some automations around things. That's when I got connected with Jesse and he said, hey, this tool looks really cool. We should uh, we should make this into a, a product that other people can use. Well, that's a that's an interesting story. It's a very interesting story. I, so, as somebody that knows almost nothing about this, if I was, to, I guess, kind of teach me you know, the 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 Padawan ways of how this works as you know, somebody who doesn't know anything about this, what's the difference between land and buying real estate? I guess let's start with that. Yeah. Um well, it, land is a, a form of real estate. Um, so the big, I, I think the big difference is sort of the way that you you sort of run the business itself. The model is pretty, you know, in its bare bones is quite, you know, basic, you know, buy low, sell high type of thing. Um, but it, it sort of comes down to the processes of, of how this all works. So the tip, there's sort of the, I would say, the typical route that a land investor w would go about building, um, you know, his business, um, getting, you know, acquiring property, you know, sending out uh, what we call either direct mailers or a, a, a way to sort of acquire property. And then once you acquire that property, this, the, the other half of the business is to really just market that property and, and, and flip it for a profit. I mean, that's probably on, on the very, very basic side of things. Um, Kevin, would you be able to add to that? Yeah, I, th I think it it comes down to the fact that, um, you know, in the U.S., there are literally millions of parcels of land. Every, really every square inch of the United States is 
owned by someone. Sometimes it's owned by the federal government, but uh, in a lot of cases, it's it's owned privately. And one thing that uh, I have discovered is that a lot of this land is owned by people who don't really care about it. In a lot of cases, the people I talk to, um, you know, maybe maybe they had an uncle who owned 10 acres out in Arizona and that uncle died and and uh you know gave this parcel of land to some some nephew who's living out in new york and this person in new york is like well i don't care about 10 acres of land in the middle of nowhere in arizona and i'm just sitting here paying property taxes on it i have no idea how to even go about getting rid of this thing and i really just want it off my hands if they get a postcard from me or a letter from me saying, hey, I see you own this 10-acre property in Arizona, and I'm happy to take it off your hands, and here's an offer price that I can give give you for it, a lot of these people are are really relieved. To them, it's a, to them, it's a oh, this is something I don't have to think about anymore. I can stop paying property taxes on this, and I can just get rid of it, and it'll be off my hands. And then, uh, and then on the flip side, I can take that parcel and I can go find people in the local area who really want land for either hunting or camping, or they're looking to retire. You know, a big thing that I'm seeing now is that a lot of the, uh, the baby boomer generation is retiring and they're looking to leave their city that they had a corporate job in and move out to the country. In fact, my parents did the exact same thing about five years ago. They live in Wisconsin and they bought 80 acres out in the farm lands of Wisconsin and built a ranch and they're loving life. And that's what a lot of people are doing. So a lot of people will reach out to me saying exactly the same thing. They want they want a place where they can retire to have some land, some space. Some people are just looking for a weekend camping getaway. Some people are looking for hunting plots and uh, they're happy to pay, uh, you know, good prices for these properties. So it's just a matter of finding those people who are interested in selling will do so quickly. And then uh, finding the buyers for that land. So then, so how do you, how do you go from point A to point B then? So how do you guys, how do you guys source out the, the, the land and then how do you find the buyers? Yeah. One of the really cool things about the states is the fact that you have access to a lot of this public data of who owns the the properties and uh, all that information that's usually kept with the county. So there's a lot of ways that you can get this sort of data. And typically, a lot of people will start off with either ca- contacting the county for, for the list of property owners that own land in, in that county, or there are... Uh, what we call sort of data providers that um, have this information, which you can purchase a list from, um, which essentially come from from the county, but they've sort of gone through and uh, refined that list or or, or or basically organized that list a lot better than the county can, because some, sometimes the county honestly has things literally printed on physical paper or, or on like CDs and, and whatnot. So um, getting that data from uh, a data provider and then... Um, starting to get get to work by sort of contacting these people typically by um, direct mailers um, a lot of times um, that's typically the path there's sort of this typical path that a lot of investor um, just follow which is you know getting out your uh, what we call our mailers or a direct mail out to these property owners letting them know that you're interested to purchase their property 
And obviously, you're going to get a lot of people who reject you. Um, and then from there, you know, you're going to get some deals that some people are interested. Either you've made an offer on that letter or you uh, make an offer after they've sort of replied to a letter, you know, where you express your interest in, in that property. And, and uh, once you sort of negotiate that um, property, you end up acquiring it and then and then it, off it goes to to the marketing side where then you go and and market your properties um, whether you're listing it on the MLS or you have a real estate agent who sells it for you or uh, you you know a lot of us even use something like Facebook marketplace to flip that property so how how quickly does this how quickly does this process take so like from the time that you buy the land to yeah. the time that you sell the land is that Days, weeks, months, years, uh, like how, how, or does it depend on the location of the property or is, I'm guessing there's lots of variables in that, in that question. Yeah. yeah it, 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 sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. It, it depends on what kind of property is. It is a lot of people going into this business like myself, uh, will start with kind of the lower dollar properties. You know, there's lots of properties out in, uh, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, where you can buy these prop plots for, you know, a few hundred dollars even. And, uh, and you can go ahead and go turn those around and sell them on Craigslist or, or, uh, or, uh, Facebook for maybe double or triple your, the, what you paid for them. And in those cases, you can expect to be able to sell those in a month, maybe. Three weeks, four weeks is yeah. what I typically will typically do. Um, now, some of the higher dollar properties, I think as you gain more experience, you kind of move up the ladder of get, gaining higher dollar uh, properties. And typically, my turnaround now is anywhere from a month to maybe three months. Some some take longer than others just because they're either uh, bigger or they're more niche kind of they've got a specific aspect of that people are looking for so it's sort of all over the place but i i try to definitely sell everything within six months if possible um so that's, that's sort of the time frame we're looking at i i got a question for you guys so is is there any sort of selection process that you go through as you look at these properties or are you just kind of going down the list and just saying Okay, well, 100 people said no, one person said yes, so I'm just going to buy the one that somebody said yes to. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So we um we definitely take a lot of time to do due diligence and I'm certainly not buying every property that I get a response from. In fact, the majority I would not purchase. Either there's you know a huge amount of back taxes or there's some lien on the property or uh <laughs> there's some other aspect of the property that makes me not want it for whatever reason. Um, but you know, there's of those people that get back to me, I'd say I'm purchasing maybe 20% of, of those that come back. And, uh, and it's, it, you sort of know it when you see it, when you see a good property, you check it out on Google maps, you sort of figure out the lay of the land, if it's got good access and there's no there's no issues with the title, then uh, then that's usually a pointer that it's a, a good property to to purchase. Could could you dive a little deeper into that? Because like Dave, I'm I'm somebody who knows absolutely nothing about this this kind of stuff. So sure. uh, you know, the only thing I could think of would be if I were 
hypothetically wanting to buy a ranch, not buy a ranch, I'm sorry, buy land to build my own ranch, I would uh-huh. want to make sure, you know, I had access to fresh water or something and yeah. uh, maybe a way to plug into the grid if I wanted to. Th- those are the only really things I could kind of think of. What, what else is involved? Yeah, so there's a few main things that people care about. Like you said, access is probably number one, making sure that there is legal access to the property. Uh, the closer it is to a public road, the better. Um, but some some people actually prefer it to be a little bit off the beaten path, but just so long as there's some way to access the property legally. That's sort of my number one filter criteria when I'm evaluating a property. Uh, then number two is power and water. Um, some areas of the U.S., uh, Water is a very difficult thing to come by. So you sort of have to, you have to know the area you're working with and figure out what the um, options are for water. Um, whether it's uh, some, some counties have different restrictions on what you can drill, what you can't drill. If you can do, um, if you can put tanks in to, to have your own water supply. Um, but then some people, you know, even if there is no option for having water, there are a lot of people who still want just camping land. They just want to be able to come out and hunt. And to them, if it doesn't have water, it doesn't matter because they're just they're just coming out there to go hunting on the weekends. Um, so that's definitely uh, a few things. Um, terrain is one thing. You know, if somebody's looking for, uh, if you're looking to sell to someone who wants to build a house, you need to have a property that is going to have enough room to do that. So there's not some big cliff in the middle of the property, or you need to figure out if there's uh, if there's any setback requirements, uh, if it's a really narrow property, and you need to figure out if there's enough room with setbacks. And so it, it takes a little bit of digging, calling with the county, and just verifying that, uh, that properties are buildable. That's definitely a, a thing to think about. Um, figuring power figuring as well. The, sorry, power. Yeah, and and figuring out the zoning as well. Um, you know, yeah. certain kind of properties have certain kind of restrictions. Um, but a lot of times, the county or, or somewhere the county can direct you to 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 find out the information on that property, depending on what you want to use that property for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but best place to start is sort of start speaking with the county and asking them, you know, what can be done and uh, on that property itself. Some, I guess, somewhat along those lines, you know, um, you mentioned some of the factors involved um, when you're personally looking for properties. So, as it comes to somebody who wants to be an investor, like, are there certain characteristics or certain things about the style of a way somebody wants to invest that would make you say, hey, land investing would probably be a great fit for somebody like you? I, I definitely think running a, a, a you know being a land investor is really running a business. Hey, there's there's if you're you know up for building processes and and, and systems and and um, that just because there's so many um, so many I guess you would call it steps um, to land investing, um, you know you really have to be up for that. I I always say. Um, Realist uh, land investing is sort of like uh, uh, it's like a it reminds me of a very much of an e-commerce business um, behind the facade of of real estate investing. So it's yeah. very unlike your your typical real estate investing. Um, 
but um, yeah, it, it very much is a, a scalable and, and a business that you can absolutely run remotely as well. So um, if you're if you're looking to build something for yourself that you can you know work on remotely again, both Kevin and I are out of the country. Um, you know, land investing is definitely a, a great one. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. And the, the cool part about it, too, is that there's so many different ways you can you can attack this. You can um, you can go for uh, like what we've been talking about, which is sort of being a retail investor where you're buying properties and then selling them to the public. Um, or you can hook up with some uh, real estate agents and you can partner with them to basically be the ones selling your property. So you can just focus on acquiring and then you kick it off to your real estate agent to uh, to do the sales part of things. And we know a lot of people that do that um, and save a ton of time uh, doing it that way. You can also be a wholesaler to other land investors. You can you can go find the properties, uh, get them under contract, and then just sell the sell the contract to a wholesaler for a or as a wholesaler to another investor for uh, a fee. And then another another really cool aspect, one that I've done 
uh, quite a bit of myself, is selling properties on terms deals. Uh, this is a kind of a cool way that you can generate more passive income and actually really boost up your return in the long term. And it's basically just you buy the property uh, as you would normally, and then instead of selling it cash, you list it as you know some amount down and a payment per month. And so you can sell these parcels on you know five, seven, eight year contracts. And you've now generated passive income for a number of years, and you can get a really good return uh, on the interest rate on that as well. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. That is fascinating. So I, I guess it, it, it really is. It's it, it's it's. If frankly, it's way more involved than I guess I envisioned. And so as somebody that's thinking about something like this, a so how do you how do you decide how active you want to be in this managing that the business? Because as Jesse was saying, there's so many different steps involved in all this or following kind of the idea that Kevin was just mentioning about the ter- term deals and having more of a passive income. Is it, is it, can you have a mixture of those? Can you just do one or the other? Is it, is it kind of a mix and match or is it just kind of depend on your personality? Yeah, uh, definitely. You can definitely have a, a, a mix and match. I think um, a, a lot of people do kind of, you know, they, they get, it, it does get quite involved, especially at the start, you know, acquiring property. But um, a lot of, I think a lot of investors actually end up putting their properties on terms and, and sort of start building their portfolio that way and, 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 and collect earnings every month, basically. But still, you still sort of have to kind of go through the different steps to be able to, you know, acquire the property you know, and then flip it either for cash or, 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 or terms. But yeah, you definitely can, how involved do you want to get in is, is really up to you. We have a lot of land investors that we work with, um, you know, they're, they're doing a nine to five or whatever they're, uh, and they're looking to sort of build um, their land investing business as, as their sort of retirement plan. Um, some, you know, we've got firefighters, people, part of the air force and all sorts of different things. So it's, it's as involved as you want it to be um, at the end of the day, how much volume you want to go through type of thing. That's, that's for definitely for you to kind of decide on that. A, another kind of a dumb question, I guess. So does land depreciate? So in other words, do you buy a property and have to worry about it being worth less in five years? Well, there are market fluctuations that you need to be aware of, you know, just like uh, any other market or any other property, things are going to go up and down. Um, you don't have depreciation in the traditional sense on, uh, uh, say, a, a home where you depreciate your, um, you, can, you can claim depreciation on your tax return based on the properties you know, being used. Um, so you don't, you don't have that benefit with, uh, with land investing, but some of the the plus side is you get exempt from uh, some of the restrictions around like doing terms deals is not a is can be more of an issue for if you wanted to say write a mortgage on a house uh, that can be a lot more restrictive whereas land uh, selling land on a contract is much less restrictive so there are 
there are pros and cons to um, to both sides. Yeah, I think one of the one of the cool things, you know, coming from the house side of things before, and you know, and that's why a lot of people that are involved, you know, with homes. Um, start seeing how appealing land is, is is the fact that you don't have to now deal with any structures. And the moment you have to deal with structures is, is it's a whole different ball game. A lot of different things that you have to worry about. Whereas land is land. Now, given, you know, you should probably take a look at your property uh, before you purchase. I've, I've made a mistake when I first started, but uh I remember I I looked at a piece of property on Google Maps and I was still new to the to the whole thing and it looked totally fine. There was just a little little pile of garbage there. But uh, when I got my photographer out there to, uh, you know, I acquired the piece of property and I, when I got my photographer to go out there, uh, he's like, "Are you serious? You, do you know what you just purchased?" And it looked like literally a 747 just crashed on the whole five acres there. So um, it was just a, it was a huge huge mess out there. So, uh, but, but overall, I mean, land, land is going to be land. It, it, it's always going to be there. Now, is there like a, a max, let's say like maximum value that you recommend for somebody who's kind of doing it on their own? Um, I'm sure you guys are aware of the crazy competition in real estate between real estate investment trusts, big private mm-hmm. institutional mm-hmm. investors and everything like that. So are you like playing in a pond that's small enough where those big guys won't want to play or, or are there some guidelines around that? Yeah, I would say that uh, compared to housing, it's a much less competitive environment. And like, like Jesse said, there's a lot of house people coming over to land because they are seeing it be, uh, a lot more restrictive. I mean, if you if you go to a real estate investing club and say there's 100 people in the room, ask all of them if you're doing land and I guarantee nobody's going to say yes. So it's it's a it's a pretty niche market. Uh it's growing for sure because the the profits are pretty crazy if you can find the right place to to um flip land. But certainly, you're not dealing with those institutional investors and and some of that uh, that crazy competition that we've seen in the housing space, especially over the past five years or so. And you know, you mentioned having access to some people you've seen had success. Were there any commonalities you noticed, or um, whether it was like a, a strategy a lot of them tend to use or a way of doing things that, that tended to lead to success more than um, maybe your typical land investor? That's a good one. Um, yeah, def- definitely consistency is a big, big deal. Um, just having having sort of a, a, a process in place where you have your deal flow coming in and going out and then just keeping that consistent. So um, that's, that's what we teach a lot of our, uh, our customers of our products is you want to sort of get your system set up and then you want to be mailing every single day, be receiving leads every single day, be working those leads every single day and sort of, and make sure that that sort of machine is going. And it's once you build that consistency that you can start sort of moving the levers in terms of do I want to do more deals next month or fewer deals next month? You can sort of dial up your mailing rates if you want to kind of do more or do less. And you can 
as long as you can keep that stream, that pipeline flowing, you can uh, you can sort of dial this thing into exactly the way you want. And we've got some people who are just doing this a couple nights a week. They're flipping a couple deals a month, uh, and they're they're generating generating some great uh, income, but they're not treating this as sort of a full time thing. And then we've got people making millions of dollars a year uh, doing this full time. So it's you can kind of decide how much you want to get into it. So I guess a question that I have about this, is there is there a minimum that people need to have as far as a dollar amount to start with this? And, you know, is and I guess the, the next logical question is somebody worked in a bank for a while. Do you have to have a does your credit have to be fairly decent to do this? Like if you got a credit score of 580, is this kind of like eh, I'm going to have to work on that first? <laughs> Well, if you if you have cash, that then your credit doesn't really matter because you're paying cash. Nobody's going to be asking for your credit score. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you my story. I when I first heard about this, and I I talked to my wife about it, and I, we said we wanted to try try this out. I basically had saved up um, about five thousand dollars, and I said I'm going to use this five thousand dollars to buy my first property, do the marketing, see if I could flip it. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, you know, losing $5,000 sucks, but it's not going to break me. Uh, so that's what, that's sort of what I did. I know a lot of people do it for a lot less. You know, you can, you can go out there and buy squares of property out in the desert for a hundred bucks a pop. So you can, you can really do this for a lot less. But me personally, I, I said $5,000 and I made that back in I think a month and a half from the time that I first bought my first property. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I think, I, I think I started with just under, I mean, it was also cash. Um, about, I spent about 200, 200 bucks on, on my first mailing and then, um, acquired my first, property uh, two properties for 500 a piece there were desert lots um had no access i was like i don't know how i'm going to get rid of this but whatever i'm going to give it a shot uh, it seems to be like the returns uh, and the barrier to entry into this is just so i've, I've tried so many different you know businesses and uh, you know i tried so many different things i was like what do i have to lose it it's just a so, such a low barrier to entry and um i mean like like i mentioned within I, I think I listed it that weekend after I acquired it. And like, I had like three people who wanted to camp out on my desert lot, um, which didn't even make sense to me. And I uh, ended up flipping, you know, for, for five grand within my first four weeks. And then two weeks later, just down the highway, I had the same exact thing. And, and you know, already within now this, mind you, this didn't happen to everybody, but um, that that's sort of, what, like opened my eyes like wait a minute <laughs> this is a little bit crazy here <laughs> um yeah the the first major like my first de- first few deals were kind of i was making money but i wasn't like killing it and then i think around month three i bought a property for three thousand dollars and i i listed it and within i think a couple weeks i somebody submitted a down payment on my website for twenty two thousand dollars 
<laughs> yeah. So so they put a down payment for uh for four thousand. So that just their down payment paid for the property, and then they did a terms deal for the rest for the twenty twenty grand. So plus the uh yeah. So for, so it ended up being like a, a five year or eight year term deal. And uh, I was just, I was so shocked. I didn't think it was real. I was like, must be a scammer. Like, there's no way this works this well, this easily. And I called the guy and I was, yeah, I was like, are you sure? Like, you really want this? He's like, yeah, like my family lives in the area. Like, I go hiking up there all the time. Love, love the spot. Got a great view. I'm going to build a house up there. He was like super stoked about this. And he was like, and I'm getting it for such a good price. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And it worked, it worked out great. I, I, I mean, I made, you know, whatever that is, 700% profit. Now, not every deal, deal works like that. I'm not saying that everything does but when you do get a home run like that you sort of have to pinch yourself and be like there's no way that i just did that but <laughs> there it is like money's in my bank account like it totally worked yeah. <laughs> sounds like you're trying to talk him out of it <laughs> it's, i i really was i was like now you're sure like this is like a wooded lot like and it takes some work to put a house in there and he's like oh yeah like i know i got he's like i had my construction friend go check it out he says it's all good I'm like okay awesome <laughs> okay yeah no problem so so how many how many properties do you guys generally manage at one time yeah that's a good question so i mean it, you know it, it really depends on again what sort of bandwidth you have in terms of we have you know users of our software that i don't know they're over a hundred over a hundred properties on terms. Um, and there's people that, you know, may only have a couple properties and it depends on how long in the game you have been in there for, or it's, it's sort of all over the place. Um, again, it, it really depends. And there's obviously, you know, when you're sort of starting to manage so many properties, especially on terms, you're now sort of looking at software and, and different systems to help you, um, automate and, and sort of allow you to, get back the time that you know it, it becomes really involved is, is what i'm trying to get at and um so that's why there's sort of software and whatnot out there that sort of help you manage a lot of these properties same same with the entire sort of deal flow as well and as we sort of mentioned a lot of this is you know they're very repeatable steps uh, there's sort of no magic to to this it's like kevin said it's sort of consistency um, and, and that's what sort of led us to build, you know, what REI conversion with, with our tool, like, um, REI Pebble, which is a land management tool, um, for the entire deal cycle type of thing. So, yeah, again, to answer your question, it really depends how, how much you want to take on. That makes sense. So, you know, we talked about some of the ideas of how people can find success. What about avoiding failure? Oh. If somebody was just starting, let's say tomorrow, what kind of a thing would you say, hey, don't do this outside of like, don't buy a property that, you know, looks awful? Yeah, there's, you can certainly cut your teeth on smaller dollar properties. And that way you can sort of just get the feel of the, of the, the cycle. And that's the way I started out. And I would recommend anyone to do that. Um, just, just use, use a amount of money you're comfortable with 
And even if you're not making huge profits, my, my first few properties, I, I made money, but it wasn't the, if you added up all the hours I was spending, just trying to figure it out, I probably didn't actually make any money. Um, so <laughs> those first few deals are just, just about a way to figure out the flow. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you can, you can sort of get, uh, get, amp it up. Um, but in terms of avoiding failure, one thing that I did, and this isn't for everybody, but I paid for a, a course, an online course, just of somebody who had been doing this for years and really uh, did a great job with putting together a end-to-end, like this is how the whole process works. Um, for me, that that gave me a lot of confidence that I could do this and that I could follow these same steps and get this thing done. So for me, that was a huge um, thing. I would avoid, you know, there's, there's a, so certainly there are some people selling major like in-person training courses that are a lot, a big investment. And for some people, those work out. And I'm, I, if that's something that if you need someone to really be there coaching you along the way, then that, that can be something. But I've also seen people, and I spend a lot of money on those courses and never really get to the point of actually flipping land. But um, there's some online courses that are really good and and won't break the bank. And then there's there's obviously ways that you can learn this stuff uh, on your own and not need to to do something like that. Um, yeah, I I too would would say you know I I I get to chat with a lot of new investors and um or or people who want to get into land investing and I think uh, there there's just a lot of nuances to the whole sort of, I guess what you call the deal cycle. Um, and, you know, going through someone's course and, and, and the, it, it's easy for me and Kevin to say this cause we're not gurus. We're not pushing any courses or anything like that. So I, I too uh, encourage, um, you know, if you wanted to get into this, to look into some sort of education and, um, because there's a lot of nuances in, in, in the steps of, of, of doing this business. Um, and, you know, when you're starting out, um, don't try to reinvent the wheel, um, just do it and, and stay consistent. And as you sort of start understanding the different processes is when you can start experimenting. I, I, I a lot of times I, I do meet a lot of people who are super excited and want to try all sorts of different things to kind of get an edge over everybody else or whatever it may be. But, you know, they, they, you know, a lot of these, I guess these steps are, are tested and battle, you know, tested type of thing and it, it works. And from there, you know, you'll, you'll get an understanding of how you can start refining your processes. Exactly. The, the, the concept makes sense and um, I can see how it can be an untapped potential. And, you know, really I haven't, haven't really heard of it. And so it's interesting just to hear your guys' perspective and hear, what's possible if you're out there willing to do the work and kind of put in the hustle. I was, um, I was staying in a cabin in the mountains last year and I happened to pick up one of the local newspapers and they had in the classifieds, they were selling a piece of land. And I was like, wow, that, that actually is a lot less, um, on the dollar per per, percent, you know, not dollar percentage, but on the total dollar amount compared to like how many acres there were, offering and you know for all i knew that could have been one of you guys but yeah you know it it, it does sound like something um where people can kind of pursue it and and really really go after it and and 
cut their teeth if it's something they're interested in. So what are some of the things that you guys do to help people who are in that spot? Yeah, so um, we have a platform um, inside of um, REI Conversion called Pebble or REI Pebble, which is sort of a land management um um, you could call it a, a platform or a CRM system to help you uh, from the entire deal flow of, you know, sending out your mailers automatically, getting those out for you because there's no way you can get anything started without getting these mailers out or these uh, letters that have offers or that express interest that you're you're looking to purchase their property to all the way to, you know, generating documents. Um, we, a lot of us self-close on those properties and the, the system will sort of generate those documents for you. Then um, it'll sort of start helping you uh, and manage your, um, your marketing side of things, uh, whether they're people interested in selling you their property or buying your property, all of that gets managed and, and taken care of inside of Aria Pebble. Um, and then uh, on the sort of front facing thing side of things, we also um, help our investors launch their websites, their uh, websites to buy the property from people who want to sell, and then on you know on the other side, which is to sell their property to people who want to buy. So um, we sort of get your entire um, system from A to Z set up, um, allow you know allow it to sort of run and allow you to scale your business um, so that you can you know whether you want to send more mailings, start doing more properties, um, it's a lot easier to do so. Kevin, do you have anything to add? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, just getting um, getting educated. Just r there's there's a few books out there about this. Um, just learning um, as much as you can and sort of figuring out where what you're comfortable doing is an important first step um, in getting getting started. You know, uh, also we've got a podcast, and and again, I'm I'm not an educator. I'm not a land educator or anything like that. But I do get a chance to in uh, you know speak to a lot of ordinary people who are getting into land and are are doing really well in land um, in, in the land business. So um, you can always check that out also on on our site um, reiconversion.com slash podcast, or you can always find our podcast on iTunes as well. And um, again, just sort of hearing some of the stories and some of the different things that land investors are, are doing um, sort of can shed some light on, on how this all works. Ah, that's cool. What was the podcast called again? It's called uh, REI Conversion. So the three letters and then a separate word, conversion. Cool. REI Conversion. Okay. Yep. So yeah, well, thank you guys for being generous with your ideas and your time. I definitely learned a thing or two. I'm sure Dave did too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on the show. I learned a yeah, ton. Yeah, this was fascinating. If, if anybody has questions for us, you know, we're always happy to uh, to chat. We've got a Facebook group and website, and we're happy to just sit down and t talk with you um, where you're at, what what kind of um, steps you might need to take to move forward. We're not we're not here to try to sell you on our products, but uh, we just really enjoy talking to people looking to get into the business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to to come and talk to us and to help educate us about this because, again, like Andrew was saying, this is something we were not familiar with, and, and we like to share these kinds of things with our with our listeners because you never know who's going to be listening to the show and go, hey, that is the thing for me. And if we, can, <laughs> if we can point somebody in that direction and point them towards you guys because you know I think you guys both you know sound very knowledgeable and really know what you're talking about, and I think you both care about trying to help people too, which is which is awesome as well. So. Uh, we really appreciate yeah. you guys taking the time and coming to talk to us today. Absolutely. Yeah, I was that person two years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all we all were at some point. You got to start somewhere, right? All right, folks. Well, with that, we are going to wrap up tonight's conversation with Jesse and Kevin. I wanted to thank both of them for taking the time to come talk to us and educate us a little bit more about land investing. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.